Hi guys, welcome back to the podcast. We've managed to come back a couple of weeks ago and get a second podcast out in quick succession. I am delighted today to um, welcome to the show. He's a two-time British champion. He's former cadet European champion. He's had a bit of time away from judo and then events over the last couple of years um, have brought him back into the sport. Delighted to welcome Wolverhampton's Gavin Davis to the show. Gav, how are you doing? I'm very well, thank you, James. And thanks for asking me to be part of your podcast. I'm uh, privileged. (laughs) (laughs) Well, all uh, three or four people who listen will be (laughs) delighted to hear hear your voice. You get a few more than that. But no, like it's uh, you are kind of back in the sport. Um, we kind of alluded to that earlier. We you, you've had several years out of the sport. Could you kick us off though, just by letting us know who you are, your background in judo, um, and then yeah, I think then we'll probably start digging in what's the two or three different things that have drawn you back into the sport. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah, so as you said, Gavin Davis. Um, Started judo at six years old. Um, Wolverhampton Judo Club has been my club from then, and still there now training with my daughter. Um, with Bill Kelly, great coach, followed, took me around the world, and dedicated his life to me as well, which was which was amazing. Uh, yeah, made it onto the British team, cadet level. As you said, won Cadet European Championships, which was an amazing achievement for me. But yeah, retired at 23, which looking back and thinking about it, it was way too young. And um, 10 years after retiring, my daughter turned five. And <laughs> it was time to introduce her to the sport of judo. Um, and since then, I've been back involved with her. Initially, really just wanted to sit and watch, but you can't. You get involved, you're back on the mat. And then two year, two or three years after that, I've decided to do a few more events and see where it takes me. I think that, that fire never goes out. You always think you, you're probably similar. As I saw you back at the National Championships competing, which was, which was great to see. That fire never goes out if you're a fighter and you're a competitor. You always think you can do it. So, <laughs> so we try, don't we? <laughs> Definitely. You always want to like just see how far you can push it before <laughs> before your body breaks down a little bit. Definitely. Definitely. Um, you talked about uh, a couple of things there. Obviously, um, your kind of background in the sport, uh, starting out Wolverhampton Judo, your daughter getting involved in the sport. Has she kind of made the same steps as she come through Wolverhampton Judo Club? She has, yeah. Well, we start. We initially went to Wolverhampton because she was um, only five years old. The, the sessions, it's about 35-minute drive for me, 35, 40 minutes. So the sessions, when they were finishing, we were getting back a bit too late. So I said to Bill, look, I'm going to, there's a local club. We're going to go there till she's a little bit older, which Bill was okay with. And then we'll be back. Um, so we went there till she was about six. Um, the club actually closed. It was in Norton Keynes, Norton Keynes Judo Club. It closed after COVID. So then that kind of opened the door to go go to Bills and continue her journey there. So, yeah, she's been there since six. She's just gone nine. <clears throat> so uh, oh, she, she absolutely loves it. She's full of energy, just just like I was. And... She loves the club being part of it. She's done a few competitions, got a couple of gold medals, which is great. Obviously, try not to put too much pressure on it. We just want her to enjoy it, and um, and she she does um, take the values from the sport, which is a massive thing for me that I wanted to take. She'll she'll choose her own path really in sport. She does gymnastics, we do mountain biking, she does snowboarding. So she she has a go at everything. But she she absolutely loves the judo and um, yeah, I'm I'm chuffed. I'm <laughs> puts a smile on my face just talking about. It. I love that she loves the sport that I love. Have you uh, been tempted into the 
into the coaching side like to to kind of support her or have you tried to stay hands off obviously bill brought you through like wolverhampton is a I'm not, it is a family it's a community in of itself you know and that man's had a lifetime in the sport um were you tempted to or, or have you are you like that side of the mat now the other side of the mat helping coach or i do little bits at the club with bill to help but i'm training myself <laughs> <laughs> so the uh, comeback's yeah, come, on come, the comeback's on love it that's it when i go then like i look back Last night I was there training with Bill. We're looking at gripping strategies and certain throws, and I, I, just, I just love it. I'll do the odd. Bill will say, "Can you can you teach Juju guitar or something like that?" So I do the bits in that fashion, but nothing too in depth. Just maybe showing techniques and things like that. I do little bits with Jesse at home to try and improve i suppose and pick up little bits pick up little bits for that i think will help um but yeah i, I generally my, bill's got um michael painton who helps he yeah yeah the, he generally does the younger ones and bill obviously he's involved with them as well and she's in good hands uh, i don't i'd give little tips like i say but i feel she's got what she needs there so i'll leave her to it and i'll do my little bit on the other side of the mat as well love that i want to kind of get in as well though you were really close friends with craig fallon now obviously sadly craig um passed away you know lost a battle with depression in 2019 um and out of that you have created set up this event um that you're trying to grow and it'd be great to kind of talk about some of those things so I, I think first of all like who who was Craig to you yeah so um yeah friend rival idol I think a bit of everything really it's, we've had a I suppose a bit of an unusual journey together and so yeah we'll touch on it Craig was Wolverhampton Judo Club for the start of his career initially so from six years old Craig started, I think he was eight. He was a little bit older than me. We'd been on the same judo mat together. Um, Craig left the club when he was 16, I believe. Went to Hardy's. Um, then when I turned 16, not, not, not long after Cadet Europeans, we, we got asked to train full-time at Bisham Abbey. So we both moved to there we'd obviously stayed in touch while he was at hardy's um but yeah lived together at bisham i left after about a year at bisham i think i was just a bit too young then i came home craig obviously eventually came home due to bisham closing and then he moved to tilbury as well which didn't really materialize into nothing for too long um yeah oh, i'd forgotten about tilbury that was a yeah, it was a funny old goings on, wasn't it? That yeah, throwback. Yeah. Um, so yeah, when he came back from Tilbury, we was training at Warsaw. I was back with Bill at Wolverhampton, but also doing bits at Warsaw in the day with with Fitz and obviously Craig when he came back. Um, Craig then Craig fought the under twenty three Europeans, which he which he won. And I won the, my first senior nationals because not because Craig wasn't there, but he wasn't there. So I got the gold medal, um, which qualified me to start doing A tournaments to try, yeah. to try and qualify for the games. So then we became, I suppose, rivals in that sense. I'd come out juniors, won the nationals. Um, yeah. So is this then kind Midori of post... Then got a, got a flat. We were living, sorry. It's... Sorry, I was gonna say, is this that, that the run-up to Athens Olympics in two thousand and four? No, this was the run-up to Beijing. Ah, so okay, so at this stage then, Craig, Craig is world silver, world champion. Yes. Cool. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So obviously he'd already got his titles and things. So I, I was up against it regardless. Never mind the rest of them around the world. I had the guy on home soil who was the best out there. So. So yeah, once 
things didn't go my way trying to qualify, go to events and I'd scrape through a fight and then lose my second fight and I'd look across and on the other side of the draw, Craig would be going through like it was a minimum and <laughs> it, was, it was hard to think what more can I do to to compete with this guy and get to that level but yeah, so once it didn't go my way and Craig qualified for Beijing, he said, can you can you be my training partner just in the lead up to the games, which which I did. Um, got to experience an Olympics, went out with him, spent time in the village. Amazing. And, um, so, yeah, that was an experience in itself and did inspire me. I thought, oh, I, want, I want this for myself. But London was obviously the next games and I thought that that's that's going to be for me so you've just talked about going out to uh, Beijing Olympics what what was that like um yeah it was a it was an amazing experience for me obviously I've I've not been able to compete in Olympic games myself which was always the goal but obviously I got to go out with Craig as his training partner I got to go into the village which as you know from going to London just fascinating I didn't know what to expect and it it is like a little village in itself the food court things like that just amazing all the nations side by side in their accommodations the flags hanging down it's just uh, surreal really and I'd, I'd want to touch a little bit on not cr- Craig, how Craig um, performed there let's say and or maybe the lack of performance and things that probably people don't know the goings on things that happened while we were out there. Obviously, I was training with him prior to the event for probably about eight months, um, which, which which all went fine, really. It was pretty much, I suppose, similar to what he did for the world. We was at Warsaw, training with Fitz, down at the EIS Centre, Alexander Stadium for strength and conditioning, and it, and it was great. Um, flew out to Macau, which was where the holding camp was. Was there for a, about a week. Um, all the other athletes there, um, just I suppose preparing to fly out for when they were due to fight or perform or um, did you compete? Did you stay with Team GB or did you stay with uh, other judo players? Like what? What's that like as a going out as a a, a partner? Yeah, so um, we flew out individually. We flew out um, just me, Craig and Fitz out to Macau. I think Karen Roberts may have been with us as well because Craig was day one. Yeah. Um, the only other person, that, the only other males that qualified up from memory was Winston and Pete Cousins. Yeah. So because they didn't fight for three or four or five days after Craig, they flew out later. So they kind of staggered when they were bringing athletes out. Um, so yeah, one, uh, the holding camp in Macau, it was Team GB. There was everybody. There was everybody there. It was, I suppose, due to to compete or take on their their event early on. Those guys seemed to be there. I remember Frankie Gavin. We had quite a lot to do with him being a Midlander. Yeah, it's uh, quite a story with him, to be honest. He, he hadn't. Was his the weight loss? Um, yeah, yeah, and we, we'd see him daily, and it was it was hard to watch. He, he just he just couldn't make the weight. He just couldn't. He hadn't fought that weight for I think something like twelve months, eighteen months. He'd won geez. the worlds. He'd won the worlds at it, then hadn't, and uh, he just couldn't stick to the uh, I suppose the weight loss program. We saw him in the canteen. <laughs> uh, oh really? Like he cracked, he was just eating everything he could. <laughs> but hard oh, to no. see, but then there was like a, a computer room, let's say, where you could go on and talk to your family and things, and they'd have a tray with um, newspaper cuttings from what was going on back home. And when word got round that he wasn't going to look like he wasn't going to make the weight, he was in the papers, and he you could see him reading them, and we'd we'd go home and say, "You all right?" and it was it looked like a tough time for him. Yeah, yeah I can imagine it's quite it's quite it's quite high profile at the time because he went in I think with a lot of expectation around him. Um, he did, he did. Yeah, yeah. And I think he's still only uh only ever amateur world champion of boxing. 
Yeah. Which is mad, isn't it? Then not to wait the wait at games is just oh, it's crazy. But it's the way yeah. it goes sometimes, isn't it? With weight control sports. Oh, definitely. I mean, I think a lot of people in judo will have had, if not that experience, they'll have had a hard time with making the weight, or they'll have had that kind of difficult decisions about what their weight category is um and I'm, I'm sure we'll come into that because i know you um your own personal story we'll come back to it whether it's today whether we catch up again in the future for a pod and we'll talk about yeah your career a little bit maybe a little bit more um yeah. while, whilst you're on beijing though like so what holding camps in macau like the yeah. olympics is in beijing like mm. There were rumours at the time, and I never heard too much about it, like that there were a lot of challenges getting from Macau to Beijing, that the holding camp wasn't perhaps the best. Yes, to be honest, at the holding camp, everything was fine. It was once we were due to fly over to Beijing, which I believe was two or three hours flight. So it wasn't that close, really. It's still quite quite a bit of a flight in itself, but we were due to fly... From memory, it was six, seven o'clock on the evening, but um, a typhoon hit, so we couldn't fly. And time's ticking on. We're, we're, we're in the, the holding camp, and it kind of got to, I think it was about nine, ten o'clock, and we still hadn't flown. And I hadn't even gone to the airport. Fortunately, the airport was closed. And Craig said to me, it's going to be too late to fly. I don't, wanna, don't really want to fly through the night. Oh, but so they're talking about flying. Is this a day or a couple of days before he's due to fight? So we, we would have got there on the evening. Let's say it was the Friday. He'd have had the Saturday in the village and then on the Sunday he fought. Oh, blimey. So quite, quite quickly, once he got in there, he was yep. having to fight. But you know what it's like. There's also media commitments and things to do during that day. And there was yeah. a lot to do. So, yeah, to cut a long story short, he we didn't fly out till late. We flew through the night, got to Beijing Airport, um, Clive Woodward. Woodward. Yeah. He was the, the main guy. He was waiting there. We had to see him. Jumped in the taxi. It was probably about two o'clock in the morning at this point. Um, Bloody hell. Then the taxi driver couldn't get to the village. There was that many blockages, roads closed, couldn't get us to the village. We ended up getting out of the taxi, pulling our luggage and making our way to the village because he just couldn't couldn't get there. I think because it was probably one of the first athletes going in because he was day one. Yeah. And all got to grips with their system. We got into the village, must have been like three o'clock in the morning. Back down, straight in bed. It was up the next morning pretty early, eight, nine o'clock. Craig obviously had to lose a bit of weight. He he had to sweat run and things like that. So we got up the next day. He's putting his sweat stuff on, and no lie, I, I was thinking, I can't. I've got no energy to do this. I could eat and drink what I wanted to. Craig had already been cutting weight. So how is he going to do this? And well, he did. We went set off around the village, did a sweat run, did some conditioning work on the. There was like a tennis court there. It's sometimes you've probably had it yourself where <clears throat> you go to an event and you see somebody. We hadn't saw anybody in the weight category, but we yeah. got to this tennis courts at the end and Choi was there. Ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. The Korean, Korean yeah, world champion. With, yeah. With his top off, just in these little shorts. Look, you know, Craig was chiseled as well, but he just looked, he just looked the part. Yeah. And then sure enough, obviously Choi went on to win it. Wins it, yeah. Like, just one of those moments when you thought that's going to be the guy type of thing. That's going to be the one to beat. But yeah, so then he had media um, commitments to do. Um, he was quite high profile, obviously being world champion previously and being day one. He was kind of the guy who was going to get our first gold medal. Yeah. Out there, so that pressure was on. We went and did a judo session that day. Again, media was there, so it wasn't as easy to do. You're being filmed, and he wanted to do his own thing. Then the following day, he's, he's got to compete. Uh, I, I probably knew for him to perform, 
got to get a medal just to perform. He's going to be a tough ask tomorrow after going through this. People know what it's like just to have a flight in the general times. It can take it out of you, but to fly through the night, lose sleep, then have to cut weight and run, it was just a disaster, really. Yeah. On on the most important day of his life, that last 48 hours couldn't have gone any worse. Yeah. It, it was just terrible. And then so the following day, we go to the event, we go to the arena, we're warming up in the warm-up room. You know, okay, to be honest. But when you watch it, when I was watching from the stands, you, you've probably been there. I think we've all been there as judokas. Some days it just doesn't happen. Look, yeah. It, and you can see by boring. looking at it, it doesn't look yeah. right. It doesn't, yeah. 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 Just, you're not, the reactions wasn't there. And you could see it and oh, I could have cried. It was like, it's just for somebody of his talent, his achievements and how good he was to not get on that rostrum. He's just it was just crying shame. So obviously to go through the fights, beat Monaco, a guy from Monaco, kinky beat publican career, and he had Pacha, who we yep. all know one of Craig's rivals, but other than the first time they met, which was as juniors, Craig lost to him. I think the following four fights, Craig won. One being world final. It's like Craig had his number, but that day, uh, he just, as Craig wasn't on song, obviously lost out to him. And Pace is a great, great judo player himself. But And and he was having a great day as well. Like, if you know, but yeah, yeah. I think you, you look at that fight going in and like you say, you think Craig's got his number. Definitely, yeah. And then, but each time we'd go, I'd go back down to the warm-up room with him between fights. Be like, God, it's just not there. I just can't get going. And it's like, on that day, you can't fix that. It's it's mm. so hard. It, to, you've to win matches that he did. I don't know how he did it. Yeah. Because he's he's, he's he was up against it so much. Then. Repercharge, he drops down. I think he had a fight. I can't think who the guy was. But then he fought Yakutel, which is an Israeli boy. He was a good guy. Never beat Craig. Craig had thrown for his fun every time they'd fought, three or four times. And I think Craig did, Craig threw him for Wazari, but then got thrown for Wazari himself, then got thrown for his fun. And that just summed up the day, really. Just a crying shame. And you've got people on that rostrum, which does happen, who Craig had absolutely wiped the floor with every any other day. Yeah. But on that day, and it, you've got to put it down to the what happened on the way in. There's nothing else. It can't be, can't be his preparation prior to that. It can't be, he wasn't active enough. Because he had to fight towards the end because Miller started to get higher in the rankings and Craig had to do a few events, so he was active. Just that last part going into the into the village just turned it all on its head. Yeah. So, yeah, Craig, he, he, he found it difficult after Beijing. I think he thought, my chance is gone. But stuck with it. Changed training places, moved down to Camberley, tried to qualify for London at 66. Um, I, think, I think his head had gone by then. He just was bothered about his future and things like that. Obviously, Colin, Colin Oates qualified the space ahead of Craig. And then, yeah, that was his, his career over. Retired. Went into coaching. I had already started doing a few master classes prior to his retirement, and he'd asked me to go with him because you you know what Craig was like. He was very shy you know, for, to be someone that was world champion, and obviously you'd think he'd be the most confident person going, but he wasn't. He was shy. He, he lacked confidence, really, which is a, a strange thing to say about somebody that achieves that level. Um. 
to yeah, doing, doing his master classes, which progressed into a coaching career. Um, was in Austria, coaching out there. I went out a couple of times to see him. He went snowboarding. See, he probably wasn't properly happy there. By this time, he had a son back at home as well. Um, yeah, then well, the last time I was out there, he'd been offered the Welsh job. And he was saying to me, Greg struggled to make decisions for himself. Um, and he was asking my advice, what do you, do you think I should take the job? And they, Austria was a good setup. They adored him out there. They were lovely mm-hmm. people. But I think just the distance thing from, I suppose, people who he's always been, always been around, myself, his family, his son. Um, I think that was hard for him. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, he, he decided to take the Welsh job, came back. I think he came back in the May, April or the May, took the job. And then, unfortunately, in the July, we lost him. It was, uh, yeah, July 15th. Yeah, very tough, hard to talk about, to be honest. Still, to this day, sometimes I don't believe it's real. Yeah. And you, you was obviously a club mate of him at Hardys mm-hmm. as well, and you, you probably experienced the same things. You just can't, can't get your head around it sometimes. I think... M- at the time, I couldn't, I couldn't wrap my head around it at all. It was just this, yeah, like, and you talk about like how shy he was, like, as someone who was a massive fan of him, like looking up to him, like he was again a year older than me, and I, I think he moved to Bisham a few months after I joined Hardy Spicer. But he was just this kind of like inspiration figure who, yeah. you know, you I share a couple of car rides with. And um, yeah, you're chatting to him. And he's just this incredibly humble guy and he's chatting. And yeah, and at the same time, he's also this incredible performer. Like he's generous, he's kind, he's this lovely fella. But he's also this incredible judo athlete. Um and yeah, and then the the news of obviously of his death, of, of his suicide, it's just hard to reconcile that with the guy that I looked up to. You know, it was Definitely. yeah, yeah. But I, I, when I lived with him at Warsaw, I didn't I didn't know what mental health was. Didn't probably never heard of it. Mm-hmm. But looking back, that was when we was. I'd have been 19. No, I'd have been 20. Craig was 21, 22-ish. Um, there was signs then. Now I understand it more and I look back. We shared a flat for some day, two, three days. He wouldn't come out of his room, stay in bed. Knock the door, say, you coming training? No. Okay, I'll get back from training, still be in bed. I didn't understand. I just think oh, he knows what he's doing. He's world champion. Yeah. He's resting. Yeah. But looking back, it, it was happening then. Things were going on within his head that he would never speak about. That I think this this is the biggest. They talk about the stigma of mental health and <clears throat> especially males not talking about about it. I suppose I didn't raise it with him because I didn't know what it was, didn't understand it. It's ne- I think unless you experience it, I suppose when you get older, you hear more about it. I think unless you go through a, a tough time yourself and experience it, you don't, you don't understand it. You, you can't understand it. Yeah. Um, you don't have the words to... No. no. Has it changed how you talk about your own mental health or how you talk to friends and family about their mental health? Uh, yes. I'll, I'll, I've always felt, I've always been quite an open person myself. 
Um, I think from retiring from judo, living in the real world, as they call it, um, and then experiences the stresses of life, I've, I've experienced, I suppose, mental health issues myself. Um, but I was always open with it, especially mm-hmm. with my parents, especially with my wife. And probably a thing I felt was a factor to was because I wasn't involved in judo. Right. I feel I don't, I've, I've always done sport. I've always kept myself fit, running, playing football and things after judo. But I don't know. Judo is such a big part of our life. It's our identity it's our it's us as a person and I think being involved in it with it and it gives you it gives you the the stability to deal with situations when they get difficult that's my outlook on it now yeah like it, it sets you up to be able to deal with situations better and yeah I'll, I'll we at work, we've got a family business. I, I try and front the mental side, mental health awareness side of it, and try and speak with people. People now will approach me if they're struggling. I think that's amazing. I, I love that I can be approached by another male. Yeah. When there's this stigma that people won't, I, I think they're comfortable to come and tell me or speak to me or which. I just wish that could have been a scenario with Craig. Um, yes, but like I said earlier, he wouldn't he wouldn't let you in to help. And if yeah. if the person won't do that, it's a very hard thing to get through. If you can't open up and accept the help or accept things need to change to to help you get through it. Craig was very strong, very man's man. He, he wouldn't show weakness. Um, yeah. So yeah, the question, yeah, I think it's definitely changed my outlook on, on mental health from going to not properly understanding it to knowing even what it was. Now I feel I've got a good understanding through what's happened with Craig, experiences of my own, and research as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, see, after Craig, I, I was reading a lot of things. And you're trying to come to terms with why, and, yeah. How do you remember Craig? Who do you remember him as? I suppose... Two sides. Um, we had such a strong friendship. He'd, he'd do it. I know he'd do anything for me, help me, give me his last penny. I know he would, and that that doesn't come around very often. And then on the other side, as a, an athlete, like this this icon, and to have someone who you're competing against to try and get past to get to the achievements you want to achieve, having that person competing against you, it's not easy. Yeah. <laughs> it was it, it was difficult, and you you're always comp- I was always comparing my results and things to to what Craig did, and obviously the as a senior there was no comparison. And then off the map, I remember we fought we fought we fought five times, <laughs> Craig. Um don't usually get a zero against everybody <laughs> I fought, but against Craig I did, unfortunately. But the last was uh, in Sweden. We fought in the semi-final. Um, the, the name of the actual event, I can't remember, but it's where you used to win the 1,000 euros. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so we fought in the semi, and he, he beat me on a Yuko. It was the closest fight we had out, out of the five, and it was the last one. Um then we came off the mat, sat at the edge, and watched the next people. He was going to have to fight in the final, the other semi, and I was going to have for bronze. And there was quite a, a large American contingent there fighting, and they came out, and it was like, the, 
someone and we're like, that's the best fight we've ever seen, man. And it was really... Oh, seriously? Oh, the fight. And, and then they were... They couldn't believe that afterwards we sat there as friends and watched and saw who else we had to fight. It was just... It, it was, I suppose in one sense it was a bizarre relationship and an unusual one within the sport of judo. Because most people you fight, you don't really have that much to do with. Yeah. You, yeah, you as don't have that much time know. with them. Yeah, yeah, of course. Um, but we did. Um, yeah. Last year, you... Yeah. Um, well, I suppose it'd be two years ago, you set up the um, Craig Fallon Foundation. Um, yeah. You ran the... Is it the Craig Fallon Cup as an event, team event? Um yes. You're running the second iteration of the event this year. Like, where's that come from? Like, where? Obviously, I know where it's come from, but what inspired that as the idea? Um, the biggest thing we're trying to achieve, because I, I suppose I'm fronting what we're doing, but there's also Jugjit Kerra, who was yeah. a member of Wolverhampton Judo Club, and from again a young age with me and Craig. You'll know him from Midland Squad and Yeah, yeah. He still runs Lions Judo, doesn't he? He does Lions Judo, yeah. He's got his own club which is part of the um the temple. Yeah. Local to his house. Um he teaches judo from there. Great, absolute great guy. Just level headed, intelligent, he's got PhD and he's really supported me through the setup, the lead up to the first event, you don't realise how much goes into an event and the organising. And obviously, I'm doing it for Craig, and Craig was this superstar of our sport. I didn't want it to be a failure. And there, there was pressures there, and there was times I felt like, can I do this? Am, am I doing the right thing? But Juggy came on board, and he was like, I'm going to, if you want my help, I'll help you through it. And he, he's been the backbone. 100 percent he's he's the he's the person i go to with ideas and he gives me a level headed um opinion sometimes he'll say i think yeah or sometimes i think no but yeah so me and juggy we do it as a as a team um there's a, other people who support as well marcus johnson who was part of wolverhampton yeah. judo club obviously craig's sisters all and craig's mom's always consulted about the things we want to do I didn't do it. We didn't set up the event until his third year anniversary of losing him. Um, and the, the dust had settled a bit. People, I wouldn't say come to terms with it, but I think times can be the best healer. Um, the, the initial idea was we just want to continue Craig's legacy. We want people to remember him. We want the next generation to go and look on YouTube and and see what see what Craig was all about and because he was a phenomenal judo player he had he, he had everything the, the gymnastic ability the throwing ability that's as we know it's it's rare that that comes around so we want we want the next generation to to see that and we want his legacy to live on and then it's kind of snowballed probably a bit quicker than we expected to be honest um, yeah we raised a fair amount of money. We've raised eight thousand pounds in the first year. Doing doing the Craig Fallon Randoris, they generated a fair bit of money. Sponsorship, the event of its in itself, entry fees and things. Um, so yeah, we, we initially the idea was what we want to do was build a a, a cash pot and a trust fund for Elijah, which is Craig's son, who sadly he's left behind. We want to build a bit of a pot of money there for Craig's family to to give to Elijah when when he's old enough, when he's eighteen, as a, a gift from I suppose Craig and them. And um, so that was the initial idea. And then we've also, as the events evolved and we've come up with new ideas, this year we're going to select um, a non-funded athlete that we're going to support throughout the year. So we're going to oh, amazing. Them. We're going to sponsor them for 12 months and help Fantastic. them get to, get to events. We're going to 
obviously we can't do it for everybody and we haven't got millions of pounds to give them but I think in Craig's memory to help athletes is part of the legacy of what we're trying to achieve yeah yeah so that's um that's kind of the next step that we've only just announced and decided to do is that still early stages do you know who it's going to or how athletes could apply or so what we again it's a difficult decision to make and what what's the criteria what do we do and at the end of the day me and juggy have, have chat, sat down and spoke and we've said at the end of the day we're running the foundation let's say and we're doing it in craig's name so we're going to kind of not handpick but we're going to speak to clubs Mm-hmm. Camberley Judo Club, none of those players are funded. Other clubs out there that have got players that are trying to be part of the system. I think we've got Lee Lee Narn and they're not at the centre. People like those and put them in a pot and just yep. cause them against, against and things like that and just make a decision. We don't want to have people apply. We don't want to let people down. I think we just want to, I suppose, choose somebody and try and help them. That, that's 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 what we want to do um so yeah and then next year which was a part of craig's retirement and he's he, when he things got i suppose even more difficult for him we want to support somebody when they retire so okay that means funding a course for them if it means helping them each month financially and we'd like to stay in touch with them make sure they're doing okay give them a little maybe a little bit of ideas of what to do to combat these problems that we we all see we all can succumb to keep involved in judo keep around people that they're going to understand what's happened and things like that don't just disappear yeah because you're, you're a you're a person within the sport you've got an identity in the big wide world unfortunately we become Joe public and when you've been at that level you're not used to that yeah you you suddenly lose yeah like you say that identity a little bit don't you and um yeah that's I mean they're amazing they're amazing goals I'm uh, to say, I'm chuckling. Like I, everyone's gonna listen to this and go, "This that was kind of a sombre point." And James is laughing. Um, <laughs> Gav's clearly just waving either his dog or daughter. The, the dog and the eldest daughter just entered the room, singing and boxing. So I'm like, "Get out!" <laughs> yeah. The only last so, thing I want to touch on on the foundation is. Each year we make a contribution to Mind Mental Health Charity. Mm-hmm. That's a big part of obviously what we're we're doing, making awareness of mental health, trying to help people. We're not, we're not experts ourselves. We're not psychiatrists or anything, but we think in Craig's memory to try and help in any way, and also the things that Craig struggled with is what the foundation's all about. Love that. Um, like I say, like you, you've started off with huge ambitions. You've got all these people kind of, yeah, supporting you. And it's amazing the direction you're yeah. going in. Yeah, appreciated, and everybody has bought into it and supported us. And sponsorships, people doing throw for throws at their clubs, people, Lee Harrison's family swimming in the North Sea at Christmas Day, crazy, and raising money and giving it to the foundation amazing what everybody's doing and it's it's i think it reflects on what they not just as a judo player what how they thought of craig held him in high regard as a person i think you touched on it earlier he, we joked that he was he was the superstar of the team with the smallest ego yeah. and that was craig in a, in a nutshell this year's event, may as well plug it a little bit and nah, I go for it. Far talk away. about the, da- the date and things. So it's going to be July the 22nd. Um, it's held at Warsaw, where it's in the sports hall rather than the National Training Centre, but same venue, same same um, campus. Yeah, this year we've gone for a full 
team championship. So it's from minors all the way through through to masters. Some people say no, it might be difficult to get teams together, but we we felt the atmosphere. The you you know you fought it last year. It, it was just brilliant. That side of the event. The, although obviously we had an individual categories last time, we just felt the team event captured everything we wanted. Yeah. Craig loved the team event, so we thought right this year we'll run with teams all the way through. And we thought about the the red belts like my daughter Craig's son. They don't get to do team events. Yeah. And it's such yeah, an experience, yeah. isn't it? You know, you know what it's like. Um, you're fighting with a team. You're not just fighting for yourself. Sometimes it brings a bit more out of players that you you wouldn't usually see. So yeah, we we're doing the event. Like I say, minors all the way through to masters. You can enter at online entries, which is run by Stefan Newbury and. God, what's his brother's name? Ben. Is it Ben? Ben. Sorry, Ben. Yeah. Ben Newbury. <laughs> Again, brilliant help I've had from Ben, Stefan, Sarah. Sarah, tournament director for the day. She's been amazing. Just helped me through everything step by step. Runs the day for us without a hiccup. Amazing lady. And then on the evening... Following the event, we're going to have an award ceremony at Warsaw Football Ground. Um, one thing after Craig's wake, which was at Wolverhampton Football Club, as tough as the day was, and it was, it was a hard day, but we went back to the Molyneux afterwards. <clears throat> to have everybody back together, yeah. you hadn't seen for years, and to reminisce about Craig, to see each other, it, it was... It turned out to be nice to everybody to be there to remember Craig. So we're trying to recreate that in one sense. Um, we want to bring everybody back together. We all like to have a few beers and talk nonsense. Um, we're going to um, give some awards out for people who've had an influence on Craig's career. We thank those for what they what they've given to him. And um, yeah. So bring everybody back together and just carry on the celebrations into the evening, I suppose. And I love that. And I, I think last year's event, I think it went great, but I think it did capture that as well. Like for me, I thought it was like it was great to be a part of it. It was great to have loads of people there, like different generations of judo players. But it's also like I really enjoyed going and just yeah, sitting down to some people who I'd only previously seen like in 10 years at Craig's Wake or do you know what I mean going and having a, a just a 10 minute chat and catching up this whole people generation of people who'd maybe stepped away from judo um yeah. found it as an opportunity to come back to hats, it hats off to you guys who I suppose some came out of retirement to fight which is amazing Johnny Percy yeah world a world medalist John Buchanan yeah, John Buchanan Sam Hall, who's obviously still doing his thing, fighting. It was amazing. Andy Malone, Peter Lomax. A lot from our generation said, you know what, I'm going to go out there and I'm going to do it for Craig. I'm going to fight. I'm going to show my respects. And that, that was just amazing to see. Yeah. Were you pleased with how the event came off last year? 100% I was... I was elated how it went. It was just the day went so smooth. I was nervous as hell. <laughs> I might not I show it sometimes, but I was so nervous. But it just went so smooth. We raised a lot of money. Um, we brought, like you say, generations back to the sport to compete again. But everybody that I think was involved in his career came along. To show their respects and it, it was it was amazing a little bit i just describe it a little bit like my wedding day it bit, <laughs> bit of a blur and a bit of went way too quickly how, how would your wife uh, respond yeah. to that yeah well yeah. <laughs> I, 
and in terms of I suppose, <laughs> how quickly it went and how yeah. you try yeah, to take yeah, things yeah, yeah. in, but you're involved in so much, so you can't. Yeah. So um, I'm gonna have a mention to my wife. She puts up with me <laughs> doing these things, and it takes up a lot of my time. I'm not gonna lie, but I wouldn't have it any other way, and she knows that. She knows how close me and Craig were. She was, she when we first got together, it'd be us going out, Craig, me. I've got to have a mention for Leon as well. He's a, he, he was like, a, there was a three of us. That was our, our little group, I suppose. Um, Leon was school friends with Craig. And then when I got older, we became, I suppose, mutual friends through Craig. And I'm still, still see Leon now. We still play football. Um, yeah. Little bit of um I wanted to get into there was all this big talk last year that you were gonna fight. And then on the day I've heard all the oh I was I was really nervous. Is that is that why you didn't fight? Because you know it was a big oh, event. Come on, James, you know me better than that. You know <laughs> I don't back down to a fight unless there's something drastically wrong. <laughs> uh, so another little plug I suppose. The lead up to this year's event and last year's event, we, we do monthly randori sessions. So we go to clubs that Craig was involved with, clubs clubs that he wasn't, I suppose, that also ask if we can if they can host the randori and we invite as many judokas as we can get there. We have a two-hour session, it's usually a Sunday. Everyone pays a fiver. That goes into the foundation. And um a bit of randori we go and have a beer afterwards and again a bit of a socializer reminisce and it also builds the pot so we um kill a few birds with one stone let's say but yeah so the i trained for two months was determined to fight the event that was kind of why i started training again and the first randori i did the ligaments in my knee first randori session it was actually the last randori practice of the session i'd done about 10 um so that put me out unfortunately for 10 months it just it had just got right as we approached the july but i couldn't i hadn't trained so i I couldn't do it genuinely though like it sounds like you've got plans to fight this year is there space to fight if you've organized it you've put the whole thing together and you've got all this support behind you alongside you is there going to be room for you to get out there or again is there too much to do on the day no no i think last doing the event last year you learn so much you just things that you you overthink and how's that gonna go as as most things are not worth it it just usually goes as it should so we've learned so much i'm 100% fighting if i'm not injured, I'll be fighting. Juggy, obviously. <laughs> Juggy, obviously, he got Juggy got his third dan, I think, last year. So he was he was training hard, wanted to get his third dan, which he achieved, which was a great achievement for him. Um, he's contemplating fighting as well. So he he's got a couple of little injuries which he's trying to overcome. Um, if we both fight, <laughs> yeah, we might have to call on somebody to help run the day, which we, we've got. To, when I say run the day, Sarah runs the day. The, the, what she does on that day, none of us can do. She just makes it run effortless, effortlessly. It's just the few little decisions or we've run out of water for the referees or things like that, which... Yeah. I'm gonna to have to call on the wife again. I think she'll have to do. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. I hope she. I hope she listens back to this. So we'll send her a clip. Yeah. Um, yeah. What about? That's, hang on a minute. Are you gonna be fighting? Of course. I know we fought last year, which we were grateful of. We had a, as I said, we had a world medalist in John Buchanan. We had an Olympian in James Austin fighting as well. I would be delighted to fight again. I've I've not retired yet. I don't know if you've heard. I've not. I'm still going. Oh, you not? I thought you had. <laughs> <laughs> not properly. Not properly. Yeah. 
Um, there's always one more. Like you say, you, it's hard to hard to stop measuring yourself, isn't it? Like I quite still like doing a randori, going up to well, I'm, I'm helping out the national randori, so I, I love being there and seeing how you you measure up against all these young guys. But again, it was great to come to that, the, you know, the event last year. Fighter Peter Lomax, relive the relive the, all the old days and if he's listening if he ever listens oh, we, had, we had we had about 14 contests yeah. but now i can say i won two the first and the last one yeah. so yeah maybe he's, do you know what maybe not maybe i'll retire safe. maybe i'll retire now yeah. and maybe he's that's me that he's yeah. categorically said he's not fighting this year he says i will never fight again because typical peter lomax style this is taking nothing away from you, <laughs> by the way. Didn't train, just rocks up. We didn't even have a judo kit. You didn't even have a kit. Had to borrow a judo kit. <coughs> but I'm I'm working on him. I'm trying to convince him to fight because no, he had the most exciting judo of the day. He <laughs> did, yeah. Unfortunately, it was illegal, but. <laughs> <laughs> But to, just to touch on Pete and another close friend of Craig's, um, and Pete found it has found it hard and still does not having Craig around. I know he does. Um, what a phenomenal judo player Peter Lomax was. Yeah, unbelievable. And again, like a, a player with it, a, probably the, this generation of athletes may not know. I've heard of because we're going back 10 15 years Definitely. um i think give us the dates again we're talking about the 22nd of july for the team event and the awards evening um people yes. can book online where so online entries for the competition it's also on british judo calendar of events and style people won't look at it till that month so in July I'm sure they'll all be having a look on there and seeing what's going on that month um yeah and then the award ceremony we've just released the QR code to purchase tickets so that's the easiest way to purchase tickets we can hold about 250 guests we've sold I think we've sold about 80 tickets already, so they're going quite quick. Um, the QR code you can find via Facebook or the, my account. The Craig Fallon Randoris, just to touch on that a little bit as well. Mm-hmm. We've got a group for that on Facebook. Okay. So you, I made it a private group, which I probably shouldn't have done. Should have done it public. So, but anyway, you can't change it once it's already private, apparently. So you've got a request to be in the group. And then in that group, we advertise where the randories are going to be. So I might as well run through them. We've got 26th of March, we're going to be at Erdington Judo Club. On the 30th of April, I believe it is, we're going to be at Lions Judo Club with Juggy, which is in Wentzfield, Wolverhampton. May, I've got a feeling it's the 19th, sorry, 14th of May, he's at National Training Centre, British Judo Association, hosting, and on the 4th of June, he's at Craig Ewers Academy in Wales. Oh, amazing. And again, another talent from our generation. So yeah, if anybody wants to add the group, add to the group and come and join. Um feel free is it the craig fallon randori or foundation randori yeah so it's craig fallon monthly randori is the group's called awesome um before we kind of wrap it up Ooh. you talked about being in love with the sport again um Ooh. you're back on the mat are you you tempted by any other events have you got space for a little masters run Oh, yeah, I think I'm gonna I'm gonna have a go. I've done two events this year. Uh, I've loved it. Just absolutely <laughs> loved being back out there. Um, the nerves were still there, which I was surprised. I didn't think I'd be nervous, but I was probably more nervous. 
Um, oh really? Yeah. yeah. Oh. I, don't, I just I was surprised. I just couldn't couldn't control them at some point. I was just <laughs> it overwhelmed me a little bit. Um, I don't know whether it's you don't want to tarnish what you've done. You've done yeah. out. Yeah, out yeah, yeah. Of course. You don't want to step out there because I've not done a masters event. I've fought seniors. Okay. So I'm I'm I suppose mixing it with the young ones. I've done okay. I've got a bronze, and uh, we won the t- last team event I fought in Warwick Uni teams. Um, but I, I'm planning to do the World Masters in Abu Dhabi. Oh, amazing! Uh, Is that this year? Is that? Yeah, November. So if I can stay fit, I'll be for it in there. Is this another announcement that your wife hasn't heard yet? And oh, she knows. <laughs> oh, yeah, so, yeah. She's looking at the hotels. She's oh, I love it. <laughs> yeah. Brilliant. So, so oh. yeah, I'm thinking, I said to Andy Marshall, who was, when we did the Warwick Uni teams, mm. I fought for Erdington. Yep. Um, and we was having a little chat and he said similar thing. What you what you going to be doing? Are you going to do some more events and things? And I'm, I'm just thinking, while I can, I'm going to do some. Because at some point, yeah. I'm not going to be able to. And yeah. I'm thinking... Just enjoy it. Live that live that life a little bit again. And I I love the the um the focus, the have something to train for, the dedicating myself, not having a drink, eating right. I love that. I'm not sure about that bit, but I <laughs> <laughs> I still again similarly like I, I yeah, never ever describe myself as retired I still like doing a an event or a couple of events a year because I quite I quite like the feeling of the nerves on on competition day I miss that I miss that kind of little bit of excitement and stress and it's it's good to remind yourself of what that feels like and then go out there and yeah you know just do your thing and body feels wrecked for a week afterwards at least now but yeah it's 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 good to hear that you're intending to keep going a little bit more yeah thank you mate yeah i'm uh, i'm enjoying it good um i think we've touched on like obviously talking about craig touched on a lot of difficult subjects mm-hmm. um if people at home are struggling with any issues, have you got any kind of places to guide them towards or recommendations? And that's putting you on the spot a bit here, mate. I apologise. There's obviously, they obviously always say, speak to your GP, which I'm never going to say that's not the right move. But, The thing with the GPs is we all know you can never get in. Mm -hmm. And I know of people that have rang the GP with mental health issues and they've been told we've got no appointments. Could you imagine? Yeah. The the courage, this, it's usually a a man who I'm speaking to about it, has built up to ring and then had that door slammed in the face. It just just doesn't sit well with me at all. So, my advice would be first and foremost is family, partner, wife would be your, your people you go and talk to and be, be totally honest what what's going on, be honest about that and be open to suggestions of help of what to do. My answer to, to most things in life, and you, you might be similar, is sport. That's my way to get over a stressful time or a, a difficult situation. That would be my suggestion. Talk to your family, people closest to you. They know you best and will have your best interests. Sport, get involved in something that you can dedicate to and enjoy. And as they say, go to your doctors and well see what they suggest i think you've yeah I've, i think you some great ideas there i think real talking's a really good shout um particularly as we again we know the challenges of getting an appointment and you know 
getting counselling perhaps quickly. Um, the only thing I'd maybe add is I know the Samaritans have always got a helpline open, particularly if you want to speak to someone who's uh, going to talk to you confidentially, anonymously maybe, if that helps as a first yeah. step. Um, they're always good to, to, to speak to. On that note, my, oh, sorry, go on, buddy. Just to touch, I think as as males, we also got to take a little bit of responsibility ourselves as friends and mm-hmm. things to to check in with each other. And that's something I do regularly with my friends now. And stay in touch, try and speak to each other. If you haven't heard from someone for a while, send them a message, give them a call, meet up. And that, that might be the saving grace for somebody. You never know. Completely. Gav, it has been an absolute pleasure having you on. And thank you for being so like, open um, and like, yeah, talking about your friend, your idol, uh, Craig Fallon. So, you know, well, like, um, it would be great to chat to you or Juggy after the, the Fallon event this year. Yeah. Um, could, I'd love to get one of you back on. Um, I'll see if I can bring my remember to bring my microphone to the event and grab a little snippet on the day. Um, that'd be be brilliant, James. Yeah, that'd be really good. Um, but absolute pleasure, Gav. All the best. Thanks for having me. It's been a pleasure to be involved. Thank you, guys. I hope you've enjoyed today's show. Um, as we talked about, like you know, we've talked about a lot of challenging issues we talked about mental health depression suicide if you are struggling please talk to someone um go to your gp if you're in a place of crisis please use samaritans um and let people know hope you've enjoyed today and we will be back with the podcast soon